Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Closing arguments in the Rittenhouse case. That's coming. Meanwhile, the judge dismissed the dangerous weapons charge. The count of possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 has been dismissed. This was the charge that a lot of people thought, you know what? All right, they're going to get him on this. It seems like the seems like the easiest one, the lowest hanging fruit. There he is. But the judge dismissed that. Then started going over with the attorneys for the prosecution and the defense what closing arguments could look like. 36 pages of legal instructions to the jury. Now, what's going to happen in the closings? I don't know. Is the prosecution going to figure out a way to upset the judge even more? Very possibly. The defense, as I know it, has called for a, a mistrial. And they've got an argument. Certainly. They, they, they've got an argument f- for the mistrial, but I, I, don't know, I don't know which one's better. I don't know uh, from a legal perspective. Do you want just to be found not guilty? Because I don't see how Rittenhouse is going to be found guilty. Even those who were uh, the, the, the witnesses for the prosecution stated under oath, of course, that Rittenhouse didn't fire at them until they either fired at him or uh, attempted, right? They, they pointed their firearms at him. Everything else, they've got the video evidence of Kyle Rittenhouse being chased and attacked in Kenosha. Kenosha is under watch because they're expecting if it's not guilty, they're going to be riots. Chicago is the same. The riot should be put down with such force as to make these people wonder what just happened. One shop window is allowed to be broken by somebody who doesn't like the fact that there's a rule of law. That's the fault of the governor of that state, whether that be Evers uh, there in Wisconsin or Pritzker in Illinois. The reason I bring up Illinois is because, well, this kid Rittenhouse lives in Illinois and then went up to uh, Kenosha for what happened after the shooting of Jacob Blake. And so they're worried about what the response could be in Chicagoland. One shop window broken. Pritzker should resign. And so should Lori Life. Hell, she should resign right now. I mean, why are we wasting time? Why are we wasting time? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of it. Watching the reactions from people. You so learn and so see with your very own eyes that the amount of people who do not care at all, at all about the law, they care about their emotions. They think their emotions are what matter. The law is this secondary bit of nonsense. You see, it's the law that doesn't matter because the law is racist on its face. I don't know why race still keeps coming up in this. Except, of course, it has to. If race does not get involved in this case, well, then how exactly do those people who make their money off of the conversation of race make any money, gain any reputation capital or anything else? 
How else can they survive? And when they can't interject themselves this way, they'll interject themselves, you know, after after a ruling. And that ruling seems to right now trend to the idea of non-guilty. The prosecution and the defense have two and a half hours each to make their closing arguments. I believe that the prosecution will take two hours and 40 minutes. I believe the defense will take 12 seconds. If the defense takes two and a half hours to bring forward a defense uh, in a closing to torture the, the jury like that, they're nuts. But they will need time to break down any lies told by the prosecution during the closing. And I'm assuming that uh, there are going to be some lies told, some serious lies told during the closing. We'll have it. If if they bring it, I'm going to bring to you as much of it as as I can. In the meantime, I want to get to a story about what happens if you were to speak honestly. Because as we can see from this case, speaking honestly is considered a sin. The sin of speaking up, of 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 giving your thoughts and and your ideas. This is seen as bigoted and racist and awful and terrible, and how dare you? This is seen as the enemy. Honesty is considered an enemy. The law is considered the enemy. What matters? How you feel. People who are based solely and exclusively on emotion. Those people are people who tell you there's only one way to handle COVID. Those people who want to tell you that the only thing you can do about COVID is get vaccinated and nothing else matters, nothing else counts, and if you think anything else matters or counts, well then, you're peddling in misinformation and you should be banned from social media. It's what they say. It's how they act. This is what they do. A Texas hospital suspended a doctor for spreading misinformation about COVID. The doctor's a Dr. Mary Bowden. I know absolutely, positively nothing about Dr. Mary Bowden. She's an ENT, ear, nose, throat, at Houston Methodist Hospital. And supposedly she posted on her social media harmful and dangerous misinformation. That's all in quotes, by the way. A recent addition to the Houston Methodist medical staff using her social media to, quote, express her personal and political opinions about the COVID-19 vaccine and treatments and her privileges have been suspended. The issue? Well, according to her attorney, she has treated more than 2,000 patients with COVID-19 at her private practice. None of them have ended up in a hospital. What is she using? Ivermectin. Yeah, that's the thing that that, uh, Joe Rogan used. That's the thing that uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, used. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's that's terrible because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a horse to wormer. It's for cattle. It's for livestock. All Joe Rogan said is he was using ivermectin, which is an anti-parasitic. 
and he got vilified, and they lied about him morning, noon, and night, and they lied about him. And if Brianna Keeler and Brian Stelter want to believe they didn't lie, they're willing. They're they're more than welcome to delude themselves and and live in the fantasy nonsense world. They can. It's their world. They, if they wish to do so, they can. But the rest of us aren't buying in, and they're deluded, lost folk. They don't have decency on their side. They don't have right on their side. They don't have honesty on their side. Someone could decide on a different course of treatment than you, and it doesn't make them a bad person. And ivermectin is not a bad drug. It's like hydroxychloroquine, not a bad drug. They're out there. They're in use by millions of people. And if your doctor says, well, give it a shot, it can't hurt. Well, then you give it a shot. It can't hurt. How many times has your doctor said that? My doctor said that fairly often to me. My doctor said that. Can't hurt. Give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Worth a try. So if a doctor has results, and again, I know nothing about this doctor. If you tell me she's lying, well, that changes things. If you tell me that uh, she also believes in witchcraft, that could change things. What am I supposed to do? Just spend my days and my nights and my weekends solely focused on people like Dr. Anthony Fauci? This is Anthony Fauci. One of the things that to me was most difficult to accept is that we put together a good plan for how we were going to try and dampen down the spread of infection early on, thinking that that was accepted by everybody. And then the next day, the president saying free Michigan, free Virginia. I didn't quite understand what the purpose of that was, except to put this misplaced perception about people's individual right to make a decision that supersedes the societal safety. I wouldn't let Anthony Fauci near any leadership position anywhere, anytime. He's allowed to say that. He is allowed to say, I don't think individual rights come over the society. And I'm willing to say, and I'm able to say, that if you don't believe in individual rights, you don't actually have a society. Because to say that, you have to believe that a couple people are more well-suited to run that society than others. And I don't believe that of you. I think you're a schmuck. I think you're a low-class guy. I think that you're just a, a, a Brooklyn loser who was good at, at, at being a doctor. And instead of going into private practice like a man, you went the government route like a wimp. I don't know. Maybe he saw something in the government route. Maybe he did good things there. I Make your decisions. Who am I to call him a wimp, right? He made his choices about what it is he wanted to do. And in that government world, he achieved a level of success. But a level of success does not somehow create a level of right. You did not become decent or good. You did not get tapped with a secret knowledge. That's the problem with government. It, it, it insulates you. And you forget how to deal with everyday people. You forget how to be a normal person. And certainly, Dr. Fauci is a guy who clearly has forgotten because he doesn't think you and I should have, uh, you know, rights. We should not have a say for the public good. 
Lockdowns help the public good? I'm the one who opposed lockdowns. You know what they told me in central Indiana, my beloved Indianapolis? The, uh, the, uh, intelligentsia, the journalists? They said, when I said you cannot shut down society to save society, they wrote, this guy, meaning me, is going to get people killed. But I was right and they were wrong. I was right because I understand what a society takes to be free. I was right because I'm willing to stand up for the free society. I never once denied science, and I never once thought people should be uh, radical in any way. Pay attention. Do what's best for you. They said they know what's best. Because they listened to Dr. Fauci. So Dr. Fauci must know. They never questioned whether or not Dr. Fauci had any mind whatsoever. They were willing to give up their freedom and their liberty. They were willing to give it up. Just boom and gone. Low-rent people. I think less of them than I do of Fauci. Because at least Fauci went into medicine. What'd they go into? Not journalism. Propagandism. They're, they're the Pravda of a new generation. I don't know if it's just Indianapolis or not. I'm, I'm assuming it's Tulsa and Atlanta and St. Louis and everywhere else. I, I got to assume it's, it's not just D.C. And, and Indy. My gosh. Closing arguments. Starting in the Rittenhouse case, I want to bring them to you. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. There were a lot of people out that night. Some people stayed home protecting their homes and their families. Others went to their businesses, boarded them up, and protected them. And a lot of those people had weapons. A lot of them had this guns. This is the closing arguments there in the Kyle people. Rittenhouse case. This is the prosecution making their case, letting you know that the defendant came from outside the community, carrying a gun that wasn't his. He expected and anticipated violence, pretended to guard an empty building owned by a business he never heard of, and fraudulently claimed to be an EMT. They're trying to paint him completely and totally as a liar. What they cannot do is paint why he was attacked by three different people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And they're now referring to him in, in a, uh, a bit of graphic as the only killer. That's something. Turn it up. What's the defendant? Yes, there was property damage. No one's here to defend that. No one's here to tell you it's okay to commit arson or looting. No one's here to tell you it's okay to be rioters. I'm not defending any of that. You know, because you've been told in the testimony, I'm prosecuting Joseph Zeminski for arson. That's not okay. But what you don't get to do is kill someone on the street for committing arson. So let's keep that in mind when we're talking about the people involved in this case. So let's begin with the provocation and the murder of Joseph Rosenbaum, because it's all captured on video. As the defendant and Mr. Rosenbaum arrive at the 63rd Street car source, Mr. Rosenbaum is ahead of the defendant. And as you see in the FBI video, when Mr. Rosenbaum starts to run, the defendant starts to run as well, at the same time, as if he's pursuing him. Mr. Rosenbaum could not have possibly have known the defendant is behind him. There's no indication in this record that he knew the defendant was there. It's not an ambush. It's not a situation where he goes there and lays in wait for the defendant. 
The defendant arrives at that location and you hear him yell, friendly, friendly, friendly. Because he's aware of the fact that the people that he's about to confront are hostile to him. And I'm going to show you in a moment the video in which the first thing he does when he arrives at that location is drops the fire extinguisher that he's holding in his left hand so he can raise the gun with his right and left hands and point it. This is when you hear someone, I think the testimony is Rosenbaum, it's not clear to me, but either way, yell, gun, gun, gun. And then Mr. Rosenbaum charges around to try and stop the defendant from pointing his gun or shooting anyone. So let's take a look at some of that video. This is Exhibit 73, the full drone video. And as we've pointed out to you before, and Jim will point out to you here in a second on the screen, when the defendant originally arrives at that scene, the first thing you see him do is drop the fire extinguisher and point his weapon at people. And then the chase occurs right after that. And you're going to see that entire sequence of events here on the full drone video. sequence of events is something they've already seen they've already been through it and by the way we should note that we came to this a little bit late and that's the assistant district attorney tom is it binger or is it binger already getting into a fight with the judge the only conversation they can have the only argument they can make is you know if if uh, he hadn't been there nothing would have happened which is to ask the question whether it is illegal to show up somewhere that's what they're asking. What they cannot do, while the, while the prosecution says, we're not condoning riots, this, that, and the other, they're condoning the actions of the rioters and saying that the actions of Rittenhouse are simply unexpect, unacceptable because he had to deal with rioters who were coming to hurt him, hitting him with skateboards, grabbing his weapon, pointing guns at him. I mean, my goodness gracious. That's a hard argument to make. And I think it's about to get worse from here. It's about to get much worse for them from here. Now, we're going to bring to you as much of this as we can. And as I said, this week, we're also going to bring you the Ahmed Aubrey case to the very best of our ability. What's going on? What's happening there? Why isn't this thing getting more coverage? As I have seen this case in Georgia, they chased this guy. They wanted to hurt him. And I'm also looking at what are the differences between this and, and the Trayvon Martin case? Well, they're starting to make themselves, to an extent, apparent. But it's a worthy question, and we should give it a worthy answer by knowing what it is we're dealing with. More on the Rittenhouse closing arguments coming up. This is Tony Katz today. I've got more stories about the fear. And I, I mean, I, I, I bring them to you because I think the fear is, is, is useless. And this is the fear of COVID. First, let us be the people who say now clearly without any hesitation, as we could have said for months, let me be that guy right now. 
this pandemic is over. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. Uh, disagree with me. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. The pandemic is over. Because it's not a pandemic. It's a virus. And it's going to be with us for forever. That's all there is to it. And we just have to go about living our lives. But you've got more and more people letting you know, post-Thanksgiving, you should expect a surge in COVID cases. Yes, and a surge in the flu, and a surge in RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. All those respiratory illnesses, all those types of illnesses, you will see a surge in because it's winter, and that's when you see a surge in them. Why? Why in the world? What are we doing? Of course there's going to be a surge. Of course we knew this. The interesting thing was that in the summer we had a surge of COVID cases, and that did not seem to fit any normal trend patterns for respiratory illnesses. I'm not a doctor. Why in the world do I know more than all of these nonsense people? Doesn't make any sense, except we're just honest about the things. And they are completely out of their minds. Out of their minds. And they they want to be angry and they want to be scared and they want you to live in fear. Why in the world would I want to live in fear? You want to live in fear? Beto O'Rourke is running for governor of Texas. (gasps) Exactly. Oh, wait, no, hold on, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not wrong. That's, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) that's a little kamala harris mixed in with some pete Buttigieg. oh that's how you create the funny beto o'rourke running for governor of texas because you know if you can't beat him why not not beat him in another election he was a congressman he ran for Senate. He lost. He ran for president. He lost. And uh, now now he's running uh, for, for, for governor. He, he cannot quit. This is just... Wh- where does he get his money from? Like, how is how, how does he eat? I don't, I don't know Beto's uh, backstory uh, there. In ter- I, I know he's just an anti-gun radical zealot. I know that uh, he's uninteresting as the day is long and was propped up by media to be someone against Ted Cruz, letting you know exactly how bad the media is. But I don't know exactly how he makes his money. He's only 49. Man, he has lost a lot of crap at this age. Most people have to go a whole lifetime to lose this many times. Man, he has got Hillary beat. He is a guy who, by the way, has said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Just in case you know the kind of guy he is running in Texas. And Texas has a changing demographic. uh, But hopefully uh, those Californians who move in and then try and make it like California can get the living snot kicked out of them. Let me say for the record, I can't stand these people. I moved to Indiana from California. I left all the crazy back in California, but then again, I never had the crazy. 
It's why I believe you should be able to test people before you allow them to move into your state and into your city. Oh, I, I absolutely believe it. Just to keep the crazy out. But if I can't do that, I just want to keep the politics out. I want the people. I want all types of people and all stripes of people. I want to keep the crazy leftism out. So how about this? No election in a state office or local office for three years. Can't stop me from voting for president or senator. Or or really, I can't stop you voting for Congress. But governor, mayor, all those things, you don't get to vote for any of it. You don't get to vote for any of it. Three years. You got to learn where you are. And the reason is, is because people from California very often bring absolute garbage with them. You ran a terrible state. You're like, you're like Massachusetts. You ran a terrible state. Well, Tony, it does so great with health care. Yeah, it doesn't do so great with taxes or, or living your life. And then people said, you know, we're just going to move to New Hampshire. We don't need this. And then they tried to turn New Hampshire into, Mich- into, into Massachusetts. No one's interested. No one's interested in you turning Texas into California. California's terrible. So in order to, to stop this from happening, no voting for three years. In a, in a state or local election. You can vote for the federal elections. That's it. That's all you get to do. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep us all safe, people. That's all I'm trying to do. These people now want you to start worrying about how, oh, the, the, we're going to see an increase in cases of, of COVID after Thanksgiving. Yeah, no duh. We know this. We're fully aware of this. We are not surprised by this. So so what are you telling us? You're telling us something we already know. Here's the question we have. What are you going to do about all the people who have COVID since you fired the nurses and the doctors? There was a protest over the weekend, literally moments from my house. Doctors and nurses saying you're, you're, we're going to be out of a job because you want some kind of nonsense mandate. Now, the 5th District, or I'm sorry, the 5th Circuit has already said, hey, the, 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 the stay is still in place. The Federal Appeals Court affirming the stay on the, on the vaccine mandate. And Biden and the others still saying, hey, force your people to get vaccinated. There's no value in it. There's no good in it. We're not better off. Society is not better off because of vaccine mandates. It is far worse off. But if you're now firing people from hospitals, the question has to be asked, how are any of us better off? This is a, this is a basic question. How is anybody better off at all through these mandates? And the answer is no one's better off. They're not. You're not safer. And which is why I say the pandemic is over, because even if everyone in the nation were to be vaccinated, you could still get COVID, you could still spread COVID. COVID remains. It's there for forever. Yet these people want to tell you everyone's got to be vaccinated so we can beat this pandemic. None of that is real. None of that is real. Here is how, in the Rittenhouse case, the defense, I'm sorry, the prosecution 
is framing uh, Joseph Rosenbaum being killed. That's the first guy who charged after um, Kyle Rittenhouse grabbed his gun. Isn't Rosenbaum the guy who was guilty of pedophilia? The defendant admitted that he knew Rosenbaum was unarmed. Rosenbaum never threatened to kill him, did not want the AR-15. He grabbed for it. Rosenbaum was incapacitated by the first shot. He was already falling when the defendant tracked his body down to the ground with the AR-15 and fired three more shots. Rosenbaum was not reaching for the defendant's gun and could not have taken it even if he was. Wait a second. So you're saying that if he grabbed for the gun, it wouldn't matter? Because it wouldn't matter a great deal. Rosenbaum died from a shot to the back. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know about that one. It certainly didn't seem to be the case from the uh, video. But this is your argument? Your argument is... It's, it's his fault that he was there? It's his fault that he was attacked and actually responded? We're faulting response. From a guy grabbing your gun. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure how they think this prosecution is going to work. Let's take it to uh, the, the, the prosecution with their closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Let's hear what's going on. Scenarios. One scenario where there's two guys who are throwing punches at one another like a bar fight. I think we'd all agree you can't kill someone. You can't punch the guy, knock him to the ground, and then get on him and strangle the life out of him. That's murder. So what's the difference here? The only difference is the defendant brought a gun. He brought his AR-15. That's why he's got to come up with this cockamamie theory that Joseph Rosenbaum was not only going to take the gun, but take it and then turn it on the defendant. And the defendant actually told you that he thought Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and not only kill him, but kill other people, which is really ironic considering the defendant is the one who killed people in this case, and the only one. But putting that aside, they have to convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. The defendant fired four shots at Joseph Rosenbaum and caused five wounds total. The first shot fractured Joseph Rosenbaum's pelvis. This causes him to be helpless. He is falling face first to the ground and he is vulnerable. The second shot went through his left hand, probably ricocheted off the ground and hit his lower left thigh. It's a flesh wound. I'm sure it hurt, but probably not all that serious. The third and fourth shots or as Mr. Rosenbaum has fallen almost completely to the ground. He is, he's parallel to the ground. He is almost face first to the ground. The defendant fires a round into his upper back, which is the kill shot, and another round which grazes his right scalp. At this point, as you saw in that video, a crowd rushes to that body to try and save Joseph Rosenbaum. They're trying to put clothing on the wound to stop the bleeding. They're going to take him across the street to a hospital. KMH, Freighter South, is literally right across the street. And this crowd, except for the defendant, are all focused on trying to save this person's life. A person, by the way, 
they probably had never even met before. Because that's what most people do. Richie McGinnis testified. I rode with Rosenbaum in the back of that SUV. I told him we'd have a beer together when this was all done. Mr. Rosenbaum was unable to respond. The defendant decided. If you really think you're going to get the emotion going here, if that's where the prosecution is, good Lord. I mean, they're going to throw everything under the sun at it, right? They're going to try every single way. Right now, I don't think they have it. We're going to keep listening for sure. Keep listening for sure. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So Biden will sign the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package into law today. It's not going to be good for any of us. Uh, that It is not going to be good for any of us at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. By the way, there's a, there's a lot happening. In this um, in this case, there's a lot happening in uh, in this Kyle Rittenhouse case, and this was one of the pieces of it. I missed this earlier. I think this is from, I think it's from just today. I think this is from the closing argument. Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. All right. Get me my bourbon. Somebody pour me all the drinks. Now, they're, they're, they're taking a, a bit of a break right, right now. You can't. They're, they're going to play this in, in classrooms and legal classrooms for forever. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. That's just not true. That's insane. Producer Ari, you know that I'm a guy who carries. You're a guy who doesn't. Is that right? It doesn't sound right. Well, that's because it's not. And I'm so glad even to you, it doesn't sound right. That's insane. That's the argument. Somewhere there's someone out there saying, well, you know, you you got a point. What's the point? I carry a firearm so I can be prepared to protect myself and the ones I love if somebody else carrying a firearm decides to be a bad guy. I don't have the ability to defend myself if they do something. What if they don't have a firearm? What if they just start stabbing people? What if they don't have a firearm they just start hitting people with a baseball bat? Do I still have the the right to defend myself? Well, Tony might not be able to do it with a firearm because it's too much force. I'll take that chance. That's me. I I may not be you. What What a nonsense, garbage, pathetic, ignorant, worthless answer. Or worthless statement, I should say. From the prosecution. 
They're just they're just terrible. The one point two trillion dollar infrastructure package is also pretty bad. If you say to me, well, Tony, what about the stuff they're putting into broadband, they're putting into transportation? I'll say to you, that's great. Then that's all we needed. How about the rest of it? How about things that interfere with cl- or, or, or affect climate policy, which has no place here? What about any conversation that talks about upgrades to Amtrak? You mean I can have private space travel, but I can't create private trains? That's right. There's no value in trains anymore. And I don't really give a good holy damn about the Acela Corridor. I have taken that train more than once in my life from New Jersey to D.C., from New Jersey to Manhattan. Of course I've done it. And the truth is, I love it. But you're going to put $66 billion into it? $39 billion into more public transit systems? Nobody wants the bus. Why are we using 20th century solutions, or in the case of train, 19th century solutions for 21st century transportation issues? These people are unserious. But they're going to sign it and they're going to talk about how they saved America. They have not saved America. Incre- increased inflation, yes. This is Tony Katz today.